Customers love options. Bike builders like options too. When you're looking for the highest quality plug and play lighting for your V-Twin, why not make the same choice as professional builders and make the switch to electric lighting? Electric lighting is the choice of builders like Dave Perowitz and Corey Ness. Even builders like myself have made the switch to electric lighting. Electric quality isn't just quality you can see, electric quality is quality you can feel. Did I mention that electric lighting was the first manufacturer to offer a lifetime warranty on all LED turn signals? Visit your local independent motorcycle shop or online at www.namscustomcycleproducts.com. As a lifelong mechanic, I figured I'd already tried every type of hand cleaner imaginable. From mom's dish soap to dad's pumice bars. From powders to lanolin-based cleaners. I was just about to give up, say forget it, and mix up my own concoction. But then I heard about Full Bore Hand Cleaner. Full Bore isn't just another hand soap. Full Bore is a hand scrub. Full Bore is formulated right here in the USA with features like soft abrasives, skin moisturizers, and special odor eliminators. So there's no need to rewash your hands before dinner. Full Bore also has no harsh solvents, and that means there's no sticky film left behind, and Full Bore won't irritate open cuts. When you're ready to get clean, go Full Bore. Visit FullBoreClean.com and enter the code GARAGEBUILT to receive free shipping on orders over $70. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Hell on Wheels Garage Build Podcast. As some of you may know, a good friend of mine, Keith Zabo, a friend of almost 30 years, passed away on May 5th of last week. He was known as the shootout king. He was a very well-respected, very feared, and very highly regarded small-tire outlaw racer in the Mustang community for many years and then moved on to the uh, eighth-mile track scene uh, in the Carolinas and actually moved from Michigan where I met him and, and knew him since high school and moved there to, uh, to, to do it full-time. Um, he passed away on May 5th, one day before his 50th birthday, leaving behind um, two sons, a father, and a, and a lovely and loving doting wife, uh, Tracy. Um, you know, I'd like to just kind of say that with everything going on and um, everything that's, that's happening right now, um, you know, Keith was a fighter, and uh, it's – pretty hard and, and pretty sullen and somber when you start getting up in your years and, and you know, you find out that we're not that old, but uh, we start losing friends. So uh, I'd like for everybody to kind of just remember Keith as the shootout king that he was. And um, this episode 27 is going to be forever dedicated to him. And uh, I'm going to have a moment of silence for him that'll that'll always be there.
Godspeed, Keith. Episode 27 of the Helen Wheels Garageville podcast features my guest, Jeff Zielinski. He is the founder of NAMS Custom Cycle Products, the CEO of Badlands, and also two years ago, he created a new company called Electric Lighting that is available at all Tucker Rocky authorized retailers and also at www.namscustomcycleproducts.com. Jeff and I talked a little bit about the business, a lot about his business, a little bit about Sturgis and the upcoming events we have in the year, and I hope you enjoy the show. I can't. No, I can't see your beautiful, your beautiful face. I was hoping I get to look into your eyes while we did this. That's weird. <laughs> no, I uh, mean you know. How about now? Uh, there we go. I can see you now. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> You're number one. <laughs> so what's yeah, going on? Yeah, this is my my humble my office. It's a nice little office. This office here. I I just realized I was going to tell you I don't have anything interesting behind me. No, I, I was gonna say that's a great shelf you have there. Yeah, this is a this is an ad hoc um, recording studio because we're. Is that toilet paper behind you? Probably. Up top, something two thousand. Yeah. Is that like <laughs> that's two thousand flushes? Uh, nice. <laughs> gotta have that blue toilet bowl, man. We're classy up in this mug. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta look clean. Right, right. Yeah. So no, I, I this is not where I'm going to be doing this permanently, but this is where I'm doing this now. I actually, do you know who Adam Garley is from Garley's Garage down in uh, Texas? No. He's a he's a builder, and he just bought a plasma table to do all of his uh, like little tabs and stuff. And I had him cut me out a sign for the for the podcast, so I looked all oh, very cool. So I looked all you know professional official. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, official. So we're building um we're building a studio over in the other office across the way. But for right now, this works. So I can close the door during the day somewhat keeps people from coming into the office i'm sure you have the same situation yeah yeah are you um and now you're not doing video for the podcast just audio right now we're just doing an audio thing um i'm going to be working with uh i, I got a couple people that want to invest in what we do here there's a local uh attorney that uh like a personal injury attorney who does specializes in motorcycle cases Right. We just, she and I have been friends with her husband for, since I moved down here 10 years ago. So ever since that point, um, she's kind of helped us out and we've helped her out. And anytime we can do something together, we do it. And so um, she, uh, she's, I talked to her husband today and they're talking about, you know, the print media thing is going away. I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's, I mean, we're all of us, there's people that want to create content. There's people who need somewhere to put content and yeah. you know, the people don't buy magazines anymore and people don't print magazines anymore. So I think it's hard for the older generation. I mean, I know you and I don't have a huge uh, gap between our age, but it's, it's harder for the older generation because we're so used to print ads and that's really what founded my company 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like so. having a magazine in my hand. 
Yeah. That's, that's what got me kind of, you know, it would get you charged up. I mean, I can remember when I was a kid doing the BMX thing, like every 30 days, you got a magazine in, in, in the mail, you know? So it was kind of cool. Same thing. I, I was always subscribing as in, in, I believe I was still in elementary school when I subscribed to Hot Rod Magazine. Wow. I was in fifth grade. That was like in like 71 or two, right? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forget what year it was. Let's see. I, I graduated in 89. So it yeah, you're was only two years four old, years man. would be 85. Right. It was. It had to be 82 or three. 80s. Yeah, it had to be 82 or 83 if you're in fifth grade because you're only two years older than me. So Yeah. Yeah, so you ain't that old. I, I still, I mean, I, I just threw them out not long ago, too, because they got wet, so they got muddy. Oh, I still have, um, I don't have any of the BMX magazines. I lost those in the fire of 2000, but uh, I have every single Hot Rod magazine I've ever bought. Much oh, awesome. much to the chagrin of my wife. She says they're right. garbage. I say they're reference materials. Exactly right. You can never get that back. Right. I guess I should tell everybody who I'm talking to. I'm talking to a friend of mine, Jeff Zielinski, the owner, proprietor, uh, founder of NAMS, the owner of Badlands, and now the new company that you guys uh, launched, uh, was it two years ago, Electric Lighting? Yep, two years ago. Yeah, so Electric yep. is, I mean, you guys make probably, arguably, the the best LEDs in the V-Twin industry. I mean, as far as you've, you know, they're, it's not a brand new technology, but it's new-ish. And you guys have taken all of the kind of the the tricks of the trade that you've learned from the other your other businesses and and applied it towards this. And the new light that you guys uh, sent us, you guys sent us a set of the billet. Um, I don't know how to explain that, but the frame of the LED now is a billet instead of just being kind of a glued together plastic piece. Or uh, as some of the other companies sell you like a plastic insert with the one or two pickups with the, the wires. And you got to kind of get that light to kind of sit in there where you want it to sit and slam slam the the lens on it yours is actually i mean i put that in our ad we did that ad for you and you can actually feel the difference and when you put that in, in a customer's hand and they feel that you know i don't know what it weighs probably 10 ounces eight ounces or something but it's definitely different than than the other companies that on the market yeah i think the objective um i mean there there's one big 800 pound gorilla out there uh providing leds and they've been around for about 10 years Right. And um, they've done a very, very good job. And not to take any credit away from anybody else, but there was plenty of other companies before the 800 pound gorilla. And I think the bottom line is that if you don't change with technology or the times, you kind of get passed by. And that goes for companies, employees, technology in your company, software, machinery, tools, tooling, whatever. So, what we did is we used, like you said, all of our experience in the wiring industry as well as the electronic industry with Badlands and said, what can we do to be different? We don't want to be like everybody else. We don't want to go backwards to go forwards. Right. Uh, and we want to put the right step, you know, the right step forward. And that's kind of what we did. We, we made sure we had a, uh, a product line that encompassed everything that, that was really available or what was valid or what was important to, to consumers. And we launched, uh, we decided to go exclusive with Tucker Rocky. Um, I got to give them some of the credit because they basically came to us asking for a solution, an LED solution, because a lot of the other companies that are out there um, right. weren't getting it done. And, um, you know, Drag Specialties has their 800-pound gorilla. And Tucker was like, hey, we want to have our own version. And 
there was some unique challenges along the way. Obviously, Tuckeraki uh, having some financial difficulties, some new ownership, um, the conglomerate, which was Mag Group, merged with them, and then it got split apart again. And now it looks like they're going to split everything apart and start selling it off. So there's challenges that have presented themselves uh, along the way. But I think all in all, they've really done a fabulous job of helping us uh, secure a pretty good brand name very quickly. Yeah. And, you know, the branding looks good. The product is top shelf and uh, they definitely have large supply lines. I mean, they're in arguably every independent motorcycle shop or any every substantive independent motorcycle shop, not to mention the fact that they're not affiliated today, but JP cycles was part of that family of companies for a couple of years, as was motorcycle superstore. And, you know, there's some other, what you would consider to be cottage brands that are, they're, they're very big juggernauts in the industry that were kind of underneath that corporate umbrella. And you're right. I've heard the same thing that they're going to, it's not fracturing it, but it's allowing the, um, the cream to rise to the top, the companies that are solvent and have, uh, sustainability are, are going to, going to be able to do that. And, and, you know, there isn't just one game in town and, and anytime there is, um, you know, the Dallas Cowboys need the Houston Texans. You know, you've got to have some competition. It breeds innovation. It breeds competitive spirit. It, it definitely lends itself to, to you know, making things move forward, as you said, and, you know, moving the chains. Right. It, it, it is a challenge, and, and there has been several challenges, and there still is as of today. Um, one of the things that happens when you, jo- when you jump into – a, a new segment, even though it's it's not really, I don't consider LEDs a new segment for us. We've been doing something with lighting since the uh, the day I started this company. Right. Uh, that's how I started the company 22 years ago. So it's not like I didn't understand LEDs or couldn't start a company selling LEDs. It's I didn't have the bandwidth to put the focus or the attention that it needed um, because we were so busy growing NAMS. I mean, NAMS has grown every single year that we've been in existence with the exception of 2007. So try to do that. Acquire but you survived. Badlands, you know, right. Right. You acquire Badlands in 2012 and then start an LED company in 19 or 2018. So it it's not easy. And I'm not, you know, putting a feather in my cap or bragging about it because I have a fabulous team. I have a wonderful family that support me and, and my wife and my daughter that are behind me every day and my stepson. Um, and they allow me to work the, you know, 14 hours a day on, right. on average. Uh, you know how it is. So there is a lot of work that goes into it. A lot of sleepless nights, lots of conversations with Asia and Taiwan and, and England for componentry. So there's lots, there's lots of things that go into it, but I think, as you said, is coming out with a unique part or a unique spin or building a better mousetrap. And I think that's really what we're focused on is we want to be able to provide value. So we definitely have a lower value than than a lot of the other guys that are out there um, because there doesn't need there doesn't need to be giant organic prices out there. It, it, there's no need for it. You know, you can do it for less and give the customer some perceived value by having a really nice box, not the box that it comes in, but a nice printed box that shows you have an investment into your company. Image is, is very important. And unfortunately, I think one of the things that, that most people do in this industry is they take advantage or take 
take for granted, I should say, of not having good detailed instructions, not printing in color uh, to save an extra penny, not having a nice box with a presentation, um, and and doing it on the cheap. And that I don't think that that makes the comf- the, the customer feel comfortable. Um, but, there is no perceived value if there is no value. Right. Well, so you touched on a couple of things that I, I was hoping would come up in conversation. And one of the things was um, when you talk about that perceived value, you know, the, the, the hat in hand thing, if we're going to take away um, printed materials, right? Printed materials is there is that's a visual thing, right? You know, a, a really nice looking ad. I mean, the ad that, that sticks out to me from from long ago was Pro One always had a real visually nice ad, right? It was I can tell you it's a blue background. There were some flames somewhere. They had a really nice logo, nice looking presentation of their product. When you buy something, we I unpacked today our order and there was a, a neck cup set from Pro One. They still make that, you know, for the chopper guy. And the, the packaging was still really nice. And uh, the presentation was good and it looks good hanging on the wall. And um, is it any better of a cup than one that's in a, in a, in a cardboard box? No, uh, but arguably visually it looks good and if, and if you're going to take away that that one tangible um uh, advantage well, advantage right so yep. i mean that was one of the things that we learned uh as a society when the iphone came out that they put a lot of effort into the packaging of that and you're going to take the iphone out of the box and arguably it's never going to go back in the box right but there was a presentation piece in there and and there is i i think there is value i mean you know uh, a rolex takes as well a time as, uh, as a timex does but a rolex a nicer watch um, a Cadillac is, is you know, goes down the same assembly line at some point in time with some of the same pieces and parts as, you know, a Buick. But, uh, you know, it's 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 considered a more premium piece. Um, yeah. The one thing that you 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 did touch on, and I w- I really want to I want to dig into this a little bit, not from a, a mean place, but from a good place, and explain it to people. We are in a tremendous push right now for made in the USA product. Um, I understand where that comes from. I understand that comes from a good place for most people. Um, we want to see innovation happen here. We want to see manufacturing happen here. Um, we have uh, a lot of obstacles to manufacturing in this company or in this country rather. And there's some industries that quite frankly left here decades ago and you can get a better product made outside of the United States. One of those technologies, from what I understand, is the LED or the light-emitting diode technology. It's just there are certain places in the world, and they happen to be in Asia mostly, that are that are suited to manufacturing those things at a high level. How do you as a manufacturer make sure that your product is being produced to your specifications and that, that you're proud to put your name on it and you're proud to put a, a warranty behind it like you do? That's a good question. Uh, the first thing I did was I tested, unbeknownst to uh, the vendors that I was contacting, but I tested a lot of product uh, rigorously here in-house as we would test any of our Badlands modules or any of our electronics or wiring harnesses. And after the tests, we saw, did they get hot? Uh, was there a failure point? Was there a bad glue? Whatever the manufacturing process they used, we picked it apart. And then when I found the best one that that made me feel comfortable, that made me feel like I'd put my name on it, because people that know who I am, I'm very OCD and I'm very anal retentive. <laughs> I think that's why you and I get along so well. But the uh, 
I, everything has to be done a certain way and it has to meet a criteria. And the most important word in my business and my the people that I work with, that I, I surround myself with, uh, and again, I'm at their mercy, but at the same time, I hold them accountable for consistency. Right. That is that is the biggest word in my business is being consistent. My packaging always looks the same. Everything has to be the same every time so that when you buy it the second or third time, you feel comfortable as the consumer knowing you're getting the same thing every time. So we did our tests. We found uh, LEDs that performed to our standards, that looked solid, that had the right color wire, or if they didn't, they were willing to change it. Um, they had conformal coat on the circuit boards to a certain thickness to protect from corrosion. Um, they used good chips. It's not all about Creed. It's not just Samsung that makes really good uh, LED chips you know, for SMD, for surface mount diodes, right. for a lot of our turn signals. But once we did all that, then I took a flight over to, Europe, or to uh, Asia. And I spent two weeks over there um, making sure that the deals were done the way as they were supposed to be. Uh, our standards, my standards written up you know, verbatim on how I wanted things to work, what the packaging needed to look like. So we worked together with the art design and a lot of that I did myself personally right. and got it to them and we held them accountable for it. And I think any business relationship, whether it be uh, in domestic or international, it's all about positive and constructive and good communication. And if you don't communicate well, the outcome is not going to be what you expect, not to mention, but there's a language barrier. So add that on top of it. It's, it's a much bigger hurdle. Um, I definitely can say, you know, a feather in the cap for, you know, America is we definitely are light years ahead in a lot of ways, process driven, things like that. Um, unfortunately, in, in Asia and a lot of Asia, they don't even know what they're building. Right. They're just told to build this because this is what they need to sell. So there's a huge void there um, and it makes it very challenging. There's plenty of LED companies out there that just they go on Alibaba or Amazon or eBay. They find somebody, they find out that they can get them cheaper and they start buying them and putting their name on them. But that doesn't work. Anybody I, can do that. I've seen that. And there's some product out there that... Um... I don't want to name any names. It's not important, but I would say what I'm trying to do is trying to make sure that people understand that uh, there are certain industries that we're not, we don't have the, uh, what's the, the resources here? That, you know, if you want to get mad that, uh, that let's use Danny Dixon, for example, he's been taking a lot of heat lately about making his product in China. Well, you can't blame Danny Dixon for making flannels in China. If you're going to blame somebody for that, blame Levi Strauss that took the garment industry overseas 50 years ago. Yeah. You know, Amen. You know, I mean, there has to be, can we bring some of it back? Sure we can. And you know what? Duluth Trading Company makes all their flannels here. That, you know, I mean, it's as simple as that. Um, I don't, I think there has to be a balance, right? And your company is probably out of all of the companies that are um, in in the V-Twin industry right now, because that's the one that, that this podcast really focuses on, um, you kind of hit the mark. You have 
you 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 started Nam's Lighting. You acquired Badlands, and and now you've you've created Electric. Electric, you make no bones about it. The LED technology is is largely in Asia, so you mm-hmm. source things there, but you make sure that they're done to your exacting standards. Uh, consistency being the key in your organization. NAMS is probably, I'm guessing, so correct me, um, a combination of some offshore parts, some American-made parts, but what you make in your in your shop there at your facility is obviously American-made. You're in Pennsylvania, correct? Yep. And Badlands has always been an American company, is it not? Correct. So, uh, you know, it's very difficult for me. It's a very good, to me, that is a very good example of uh, – capitalism should look like and you know and, and have a good understanding of what we have the ability to do here what we don't have the ability to do in our facility and we've got a we've got to job some of that out when you when you go to to places like Europe and Asia how close to the ground floor are you allowed to get when you're having something manufactured uh well let me let me digress a, a second I, I won't get long-winded on it but Nam's um, everything that's wire related with NAMS, anything mm-hmm. that has a wire attached to it is made in our building. Perfect. So I'll just, I'll state that right off the bat. Even our braided hose is from Ohio. Uh, the stainless braiding is from upstate New York. Um, so everything that can be is, uh, some of our things that are not are like the hose clamps. They're designed here, engineered here, mm-hmm. but they're produced offshore. Um, it's an extrusion, uh, a stamping. Um, everything, all the electrical connectors are the same ones that Harley Davidson uses. A lot of them are made overseas, but some are made in the U S but our connectors that we use are the exact same ones that the company that makes everything electrical for Harley Davidson, which is one of their plants is 15 minutes from me. So, and we actually help each other out. So if that gets me in trouble, so be it. Um, if they get no pickle, they call me for connectors. If I get no pickle, I call them. Well, that's how a good business relationship should work. There should be some quick pro quo And Badlands, uh, when I bought the company in 2012, every module was re-engineered with a pick chip. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, out of anybody that makes modules, and there's only a couple other companies out there, um, we are the originals. Obviously, Badlands has been around since 1990, so it's been 30 years strong. Number two, uh, we have patents on most of the modules. Um, so whoever's listening that, um, may have an idea in their head, be careful. Um, just letting you know, uh, the other issue is when you use a pick chip, that means it's computer controlled. So our modules, uh, had such a low failure rate that in 2017, we were able to say, Hey, they're hundred percent American made built everything assembled, tested that we can offer a lifetime warranty. Right. Uh, we can literally put it in a, a, a bucket of water and it'll still work. We can wire it backwards, it'll still work. And that's because of the technology that we use. It costs a lot of money to engineer these things, but it's bulletproof. And that's why we're you know the, the leading industry provider of modules there is all over the world. So that's a good thing. Lighting, as you said, definitely from overseas. Um, not all of it. We engineer a lot of it here and, and have them produce it. Uh, they use our wire, they use our connectors. You know, we're not using white multi-lock connectors like a lot of the other guys do in the industry. Right. They take shortcuts. Um, and for a lot of other companies in the industry and without naming names, as you said, 
it's easy to give you a new one when you're getting it produced overseas and it costs a third of what it costs me to make them here in the US and give you a new one when it breaks down. But if you can build it right the first time and it doesn't break down, who's really winning and who's losing? You know, the, cu- the customer doesn't want to be out of something because it's inferior quality. And unfortunately, a lot of the stuff, most of the electronics in this in this industry are inferior. A lot of them. Yeah. So well, we saw that happen. Situation. We saw that happen um, in the automotive industry. I go back to that quite a, quite a bit because I have as much experience in that as I do in the in the motorcycle industry. And I worked for a company that owned Mallory Electronics in there was a part number, a 609 module for a Mallory Unilite that it was easier to give you a new one than to, you know, we'd sell you a warranty and just give you a new one whenever you, whenever you hooked it up wrong or something went bad with it, you know. Um, can you explain to me, you'd mentioned technology called a PIC chip and you said it was computer controlled. Can you, can you without giving away any trade circuits, secrets or anything, but what is that, sure. you know, using that as kind of a, 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 a jump off point of, um, how your how your modules work? What does a pick chip do? Well, a for example, um, the the original load equalizer was a giant ceramic resistor. Um, the LEO one and the LEO two, they're the only two modules that we still produce today uh, that are thirty years old. Um, but we don't offer a lifetime warranty just because it's it's a mechanical device. It's right. it's a heat sink, and when you put it in a potting material, it builds up even more heat. Um, that's why if we always say if you're going to go into parade mode with your hazards on, do not use one of those modules because they will cook. Okay. Now, everybody makes a version of that. Uh, I can probably rattle off 10 companies. Um, the difference with any of the other modules in the industry, um, and, and I do know quite a bit about everybody else's module out there. Um, as well you should. Are, <laughs> as well as, well yeah. as I should, yeah. right? Our, our module is a pick chip controlled. So what happens is my engineer, who's probably one of the most smartest electrical engineers I've ever had the pleasure of working with, because he can also speak to me in, in a way where I don't feel intimidated, <laughs> uh, which is it's, it's easy to do for me because I'm not the smartest bulb in the bunch, no pun intended. But he, he can communicate really well as well as being an electrical engineer. But he'll call me with practicality questions because I'm better at it than he is. So we're a really good team. Um, And I inherited him when um, I first started working with Badlands back in like 07. uh, And I bought the the company. I think it was 2012 we closed. So the pick chip idea was instead of installing componentry on a circuit board to force things to happen. Like obviously you install a resistor to add resistance to a circuit. You install sure. a diode so it doesn't backfeed, doesn't flow backwards. You know, diode only goes one direction. Um, a pick chip does the same thing, but it's computer driven. So it's all code. So our our modules actually work with some components like diodes, resistors, capacitors, but there's a pick chip that tells everything how to work. So it's consistent every single time it's used and it can't lose that program. It can't stop working or start working differently. It always does the same thing every time. 
And that's what gives you reliability, and that's what gives you a lifetime warranty. So that PIC chip is code, just like you would use code to write a computer program, a website, uh, Bluetooth with your iPhone, talking to your fuel injection tuner, all that stuff is code. And that's what, our, that's what all of our modules are. So for anybody that ever wanted to try to reverse engineer one, they couldn't do it. Um, you wanted to, to melt the potting material to see what circuit boards we're using. You couldn't do it because it's all blacked out. Everything is protected uh, to be the best that there is. And, and that's why the investment was put into, A, building the company 30 years ago. And then when I bought it, I probably put another 50000 into re-engineering everything to make it bulletproof. Um, and that's that's passion, just like you with everything that you do. Uh, a lot of our friends that we hang out with, you're very passionate about what you do. Money doesn't become the, the where all do all. It, it's really about I want to be the best at this. So I'm willing to invest all the time, all the money and all the hard work it takes to be the best. And that's that's really what and why we did what we did with the pick chip. OK. Well, that makes a lot of sense because, I, you know, I guess going back to 03 when I started using the Badland, my favorite part the, that the Badland produces or that Badlands produces is the um, the blinker module. It's just kind of a standalone piece, right? It keeps the blinkers mm -hmm. on for nine seconds. It, it works flawlessly. I just installed one a week ago. Um, they work. They do what they're supposed to do. You know, a nice little momentary switch, turns it on, they, they, they turn off. So it's just interesting to know that it worked then and it works better now. And we know now why, why it works yep. better. So it, it's ironic that you bring that up because one of the, one of the other companies out there that's doing modules just did a, a press release that they all of a sudden do the same module. Now um, there's this programmable, um, you know, you could do that some other horrible. things with it. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. That sounds horrible. I don't want to program it. I want to put it in and know that it works. <laughs> right. It's, 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 it's a gimmick to say it's we didn't copy, you know, Badlands' module. Right. We did our own version. But at the same time, we're the original. We've been doing it forever. Um, there's a reason why it's done the way it is. And there's also a reason why ours is not programmable, uh, which is also a good segue to say our new ATS-04 module, uh, which you will absolutely adore, Um is multifaceted and if you you know if i have a second i'll tell you about it i'll make it as quick as possible Go right ahead just all like the, the ats03 okay it's going to program just like harley's tsm or tssm the nice. same 30 minute procedure that you have to go through to marry it you'll do to our module our module is going to have leds on it to tell you that it's working and the the programming is working and it will work on carbureted and fuel injected uh, where nobody makes a module, including Badlands, from 2002 all the way to CAN bus. Right. And it will eliminate the key fob and the, the alarm feature, so you won't have that. Not that that affects probably 95% of the people because they don't use it anyway. Right. Um, but it will work just like Harley's module. If you get up to speed at a stoplight and your turn signal's on, it will not shut off until you reach 7 miles an hour. It will flash from 20 to 19 to 18 until you get up to speed, make your turn, then it'll automatically cancel just like the factory. So if you don't want to spend the two or $300 for the new Harley one, you can buy one for a fraction of the cost. That is almost done. We're on our final phase of testing. 
that has taken three years. But it's also going a step further. If you have a custom motorcycle that with an electronic speedometer and a Hall effect sensor, you tap into that green wire on your Hall effect sensor into our module, right? And you have the same features that Harley Davidson has. Nice. And that Self canceling uses... when you turn, it stays on until you turn. When you reach the speed, it starts counting down the whole nine yards. So we're we're pretty proud of this piece. Uh, it's going to be a little bit more than the one we offer now but it's going to be a fraction of what the OEM version is. Nice. So that brings me to the, the other thing that you touched on earlier that I wanted to, I wanted to kind of break down a little bit and, and unpack it was you had mentioned about patents. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I think one of the criticisms of um, building things out of outside of this country in, and even it was a problem and it maybe still is a problem in this country is patent trolls. It is. So, uh, I, I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast the other night, and I can't remember who the gentleman was that was on it, but he was talking about w during the early days of the automotive industry in the 1900, 1901, too, there was a gentleman that had a patent on the horseless carriage, and it actually it was took Henry Ford to fight him, and all the other manufacturers paid for years uh, until Henry Ford said, we're not doing this anymore. And it took eight years and, you know, a Supreme Court and a grand jury and all that stuff to, to parse that out. And so how do you protect your intellectual property when you when you go over somewhere outside of this country? And I'm not specifically picking on Asia. I'm just saying in general, how do you how do you factor that in? Is that something that happens that you have to do or is that something that automatically comes with whatever um, place is, is actually building your part? How do you protect that? Well, um, the patents, the patents that I inherited and um, have on Badlands, I generally don't have to worry about because even though they're similar versions of what we do out there, they're different enough where I wouldn't even waste my time or energy um, in worrying about it. Not to mention the vo the amount of volume that we sell every year, and not to be boastful, but the amount of volume that we sell of those per year because of our reputation and that they are bulletproof. It's not even worth messing with anybody else. There's there's nobody that comes close to our volume. So it's it's really not even worth it. And honestly, why would you try to reinvent the wheel if there's already something there that's, you know, the industry standard? I mean, a lot of our stuff is industry standard. Right. Why even mess with it? It's not worth it. You know, it's not worth it. it it's not like we woke up one day and said we want to start doing wiring and all of a sudden – 22 years later, we have all this vast knowledge and experience in engineering and knowing what colors you do what and what goes where and what pin connector. And it, it's years and years and years of work. So for anybody to want to try it now, get, you know, you know, get comfortable. It's going to take you a long time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, so I mean, it's like anything else. It, it, it's not just my business, but it's any business, you know, granted, you can you can be a rich kid whether you're a guy or a gal it doesn't matter you, you you learn how to program a CNC machine and all of a sudden you're making parts that doesn't mean you're a part maker <clears throat> right. you know it it, it 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 doesn't work that way um, you know there again there's companies out there that are are copying our stuff daily um, whether it's US whether it's Asia. Um, and I have to, I mean, I emailed two companies in Asia last night and I'm like, you, you can't do this. And they're like, sorry. And then today when I checked their, their websites, they're off the website. So they listen. 
it's all about respect. Um, there is there is an element that is dwindling, and I'm sure you would agree. It's like the bro, you know, the bro feature where you're just yeah. like, come on, man. Yeah. You know, like me calling you and say, hey, Jason, can can you not do that, dude? You're like, yeah, my bad. You know, yeah. I shouldn't have done it. And and then you 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 know you go your, your own way and and you don't mess with it again. You know, and I would do the same thing if I did that. Like if somebody came to me and said, man, you you know, this was my idea. Okay. Yeah. You know, and I, I've even brokered deals in the past where if somebody brought me an idea, I would cut them in on the deal. Say, hey, I'll I'll do this for you for free because it's your idea, but I'm going to go to drag specialties with it you know, to be distributed. Hey, that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm listen, man, integrity and honesty go so far in my world. And right. I wish there was more people that that were that way. Uh, luckily you do, which is why I'm on your podcast. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> you know, there, that is super important. And I think as a society, not just because most manufacturing is done overseas, but as a society, we've lost that as well. Uh, I think it's extremely important for us to be bros and, yeah. You know, and it doesn't have to be a guy. It could be a girl. It could be whatever. No, I, mean, I know. I know exactly what you mean. You have that kind of relationship where there's color, a... religion, sex, creed, whatever. Let's be honest with one another, man, because life's too short. You know, life's is too short. So that that's kind of how I I protect it. Is I just say, come on, man. You know, you, you know better. Keep your um, integrity high. Keep your standards high of yeah. what you expect from yourself, and and associate yourself with those who who hold themselves to to that same regard. Best advice that's been given to me from some of the guys that I'm really close with in the industry who've been doing it way longer than me, they always say, you can't worry about what everybody else is doing. Do what you do best. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, and pick what it is that you're going to do best, too. Right. I mean, you mentioned— Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. That doesn't mean that if you're you know, a billet guy, all of a sudden you're doing something electrical or vice versa. Right. Or if you're an engine guy, all of a sudden you're designing— you know, Fenders. fancy rims. Right. You know, it, that don't make sense. No, a good idea is a good idea. And I think um, what you do with a good idea has a lot to, sh- to it, it shows your intent, right? I mean, because yeah. there's lots of people have lots of different, I think you referred to it earlier. You said something about you didn't have enough bandwidth or you only had enough bandwidth to do a certain kind of thing. But I think you find that once you do things repetitively, you kind of have built a system. And then you can teach somebody else what that system is, and that allows you to free up some bandwidth. Correct. You know, I, yesterday I was going through my phone. My phone said I have an iPhone with 256 gig, and it was like, you're out of memory. And I'm like, what? I, how? And, you know, I didn't know it, but I was downloading every podcast in the world that I listened to. I was downloading all of them. So there was like 100 gigs in their podcast. So you got to pay attention to where, where you're keeping your bandwidth at and stuff. So. I think for me, one of the strongest attributes that I brought to starting my own business was being operationally strong. I'm very thankful to have my mom and dad still on this earth and being loving and supportive. Uh, My dad was still working for me full time at 82 years old until the COVID-19 struck. Uh, and I won't let him come back in until I feel comfortable. Right. Uh, he's going. He's he's going nuts at home. I can tell you, being stuck in the house with my mom. But <laughs> uh, it's probably a good thing. Um, but he instilled in me: there's the right way to do something and the wrong way to do something. And 
when you're done with your tool, you put it back where you found it so that the next time you need it, it's where it belongs. And you wipe it uh, off so that you're not getting somebody else's work dirty. Exactly. There's so many things that he taught me that I try to instill to our employees. And I got to tell you, we have some employees that have been here for 12 years all the way down to, you know, maybe a year and a half, two years. But people, when they generally come, they see we run a tight ship. We're very anal retentive. We're very organized. Uh, we're very OCD. Uh, we're, we're very operationally strong, but you're never too operationally strong to learn a better way to do something yeah. or improve the way you do something. So that right now we have three main product uh, projects going on because of the times that we're in that, you know, a lot of the sales shows and, and all that kind of stuff aren't what they were because of the travel ban and all that. Sure. Uh, we're focusing on the operation. We're actually improving two main facets of how we do our business. Uh, and in return, it's going to be, there's going to be some more stuff that's automated. So we're going to take that human error element out of it. Right. Um, and it's going to make us look even more professional than we already do. It'll make us more consistent. It'll take guesswork out of it. Um, and it'll make processes quicker. And when you do that, it gives you more time and more bandwidth sure. to be productive instead of, you know, it's like writing a dry erase on the board. It's all well and good until you got to spend the time erasing it. Right. Right. So if you can make it that you don't ever have to erase it, now you got more time to do training and dry erase board. You know what I mean? There's always yeah. a, a better way. And I think for, I don't want to speak for every entrepreneur, but, I've been that way since I was a little kid, since I can remember where there's always a better way. You know, I can look at something mechanically and say, well, there's a better way to do this or uh, let's figure out a better process to speed up the efficiency. So there's always something that we're doing. And I think that's really important. Every business, I think, has to hit a certain a space in life where once you get operationally savvy, um, you kind of hit cruise control and then you step away and start looking, Hey, where are we bleeding? What, I do what's that. Leaking? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like what can we do to tidy up the ship a little bit? You know, Hey, we haven't cleaned this thing in a while or swept <laughs> in a while. Let's do that. You know, so you kind of go back and do some, some house cleaning and some fine tuning and then you hit the gas again, you know, it's sales season, bam, you know, got to do all the shows. You got to go to Sturgis. You got to go to Daytona. You got to go to the, the dealer shows. Then you got to work as, you know, as the season starts to slow down, usually in, in the East Coast, um, at least, you know, Northeast. Sure. November is when you say, OK, the bike's going to go in the in the garage or the shed or wherever for the rest of the season because uh, it's going to get too cold. Um, that's when we start to say, OK, what's the new products that we're going to try to have ready for the dealer show in, in January or February? You know, we start developing the new stuff. Um, but it really all depends on, on business too. Like there's, you know, one thing we haven't really touched is how many facets of the business we, we talked about the three, you know, there's NAMS, there's Badlands, there's electric, but a, a, as you may not be aware, there's, there's two sides of our business, uh, technically three. We do have the arm of retail and dealer direct through the website and, or phone call, email, whatever. Um, which which a lot of people do. Sure. Uh, we also have 
our distribution network, which is Drag Specialties, Raleigh's in Australia, Parts Europe, Parts Canada, Tucker Rocky, Mid-USA, uh, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, we're in Japan, uh, we're in New Zealand, um, we're kind of all over the place distribution-wise. Then we also manufacture. So we manufacture what we sell, distribution and dealer and retail direct. But we also do private label manufacturing. So I was not aware you, of that. Yeah, I mean, if, if you see, and I don't want to name names because I didn't ask if I could, but are you drinking jungle juice, by the way? I'm drinking um, Gatorade with a little bit of Tito's in it. Yeah, Or actually, this is, um, have you had this flavor of, uh, of Red Bull? It's watermelon. No, I don't drink Red Bull because I'm afraid to have a heart attack. I only drink one, like maybe one uh, once or twice a week. What happens is our Matco distributor comes on Tuesdays, right. and he sells Red Bulls, so I always buy one. Oh, I got it. Yeah. All right, well, that's cool. When I come down and see you, then we'll have to share one with some vodka. <laughs> there you go. Um, but to get back on track now that I'm thirsty, um, the we make 40% of our business – 35 to 40% is OEM manufacturing for other companies in the industry. See, I was not aware of that. That was one of the questions right. I had for you is like, where do you, it's easy to see the synergy between electric and NAMS. It's easy to see the synergy between Badlands and electric. And obviously you've, you've said that in, in 2012, you finished up acquiring Badlands. So that's all understandable. Where, where does NAMS fit into the marketplace 22 years ago? What was your first product? Um, this is a story I told in a book that I wrote in 2007 about wiring and I, I kind of makes me teary eyed to think about my dad because my mom and dad would not let me have a motorcycle. They always said under my dead body or over my dead body, you're not going to have a motorcycle. You're not going to have a motorcycle. So they were right. I didn't have one at their house, right. but I had one at a friend's house. <laughs> Uh, you know, they didn't know it was a dirt bike. Then I had another, then they finally accepted the fact that, Hey, Jeff likes dirt bikes and motorcycles. So, um, I was literally wrenching on the neighborhood kids, two strokes in middle school, okay. uh, where I would take the cylinders off, take them down to the, the local shop was called cycle stop, believe it or not right. in, in Narstown, Pennsylvania. I would take my cylinder down there. They would measure it. They'd bore it, give it back with a Weisco piston. I didn't have all the right tools. I had my hands, and I had some mixing oil. Put those things in, press the cylinder back in, tighten it up. If it pinged really loud when I started it, it was too tight. Loosen it up a little bit, and off we went. Really? I was doing that in middle school. Nice. So I, I, was, I was all about it, um, and I was always trying to make it better. So I was always trying to beautification or make this change the fender, make it look cooler. Um, and I did that with cars too. My first car at 14 right. was a, was a 49 Ford. So speeding it up a little bit, went through all that. Um, my first street bike was in 1990 and it was a Honda rebel. And in my eyes, it was a soft tail. Sure. Uh, that's that's what I was trying to tell myself. And I knew it wasn't a soft tail, but I bought a Harley after that. I forget what model it was. It was the Italian one. Uh, I forget. It was half Italian, half. It was like a trail bike. Oh, the Aramucci? I think it was an Aramucci. It was yeah. like a 150cc or something yeah. or whatever. Um, then I bought a brand new Sportster 1200 Custom in 1996. 
And I put a ton of money into that and customized it. And that's when I had the idea of taking stainless steel braiding loom and putting it over a jacketed bunch of wires and wiring your handlebar switches with it. I was always good at cutting wires and soldering and all that. So I would depin the Deutsch connector and I made my own loom and it looked like a braided clutch cable. Uh, then I found a clear heat shrink that was crystal clear that I put over top of it so that it looked like, you know, the sure. Barnett cables of the day. Uh, I did a 97 soft tail, entered it at a local show, got first place. Uh, the guy who judged it owns a shop not far from me, still there. He's uh, got some health issues, but he's still there. He said it was the cleanest bike he's ever seen in his life. That's a good uh, I, had a, I had all Nest stuff on it. Uh, I was buying from Corey Direct in Ireland. Um, had a 180 tire kit, which was huge back then. Nobody had that. Uh, had a machine, the hub to make it fit, had an inch and an eighth belt, um, you know, had a uh, one, what, what I forget, with an eight inch rear fender, solid struts, Daytech right. swing arm, whatever. So I did that show and a customer came by, a, a customer that still buys from me, said, you should start a company doing this wiring. This, this is just amazing. It looks so cool. Uh, so we did. And I formed the company in 98 with the idea of building stainless steel braided wiring harnesses. And I really didn't know anybody in the industry except for Corley and Arlen, because that's where I buy my parts. Right. So I emailed them. They got back to me and I was, I was in their catalog the following year. So in 2000, I was officially distributed uh, by Arlen and Corey on our, of our product. And that's, that's literally how it all started. Dude, that's a that's really an amazing. St I mean, that's that's a that's a perfect that's a perfect scenario. How did you it's come up funny. with the name? Uh, my when I incorporated in Delaware because it's the tax free state. Right. My brother's like he was helping me out, and he's like, you know, here's how you fill out the form, whatever. And he's like, you need a name. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. And he's like, well, you know, call it Jeff's whatever Z Man or my nickname was Z Man, okay. right from playing football and stuff. So he said. I'm like, ah. I said, I'll put it backwards. So I put Z-Man backwards and it's names. So that's how the name came up. I don't, I hate it still to this day. I hate it, but it's, it's there. It sticks. <laughs> it's the industry. Everybody knows it. It's got, I don't, it's got good branding attached to it. I mean, I know when I see, when I see the N with the flames, I, I know, I know exactly what I'm, I know what I'm getting. I mean, it's yeah. definitely, you know, we we're uh, we're ramping up what we carry in stock and I, I have certain things that I, I use exclusively once I'm a, I'm a brand or a label whore and a brand whore. And once I find something that I like, I don't deviate. Right. I make my customers use what I have or, you know, what I like, cause it works well. So I keep a, there's a certain number of, of things that I keep that you build. Um, that I, well, why I is that, why is it that you keep going back? Is it because the prod, uh, the product that you're buying is consistent? It's consistent. That's the word. I mean, it's funny that you say that. And I, I the last thing I wanted to make this sound like is a, a, an infomercial because it's not because there's other things I want to talk to you about. And it, but that is, I know it works. I don't have any problems with it. I've never had. I've never had to send something back to Badlands. And this goes back. I mean, before I even knew, because here's what you. I don't know if you know this or not, but you and I had kind of a stepbrothers moment. We were at the, we didn't, I didn't know who, I didn't know that you owned Badlands first off until we had already known each other. 
And right. I knew I knew Dave Withrow. Mm-hmm. And he introduced me. He was in your booth a couple years ago at a trade show, and you were you were out doing something. And he was at your booth, and you had an employee there, and he gave me a sign, and I have this, you know, I have one of those steel signs. But I didn't know last year you and I were at the FXR show, and I realized we were both pointing at the same kind of bikes, and we both liked the same kind of FXRs. And I was like, wait, you like Pro Street FXRs? And you're like, yeah, I like Pro Street FXRs. So I'm like. Do you want to go out in the garage and do Kung Fu? Because not yeah. a lot of people do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or if they do, they don't tell anybody that they do. But, I mean, that's right. – I, I love them. I think they're fantastic. I think – I mean, I you know, I like all FXRs. I like all bikes pretty much as long as they're Harleys. And um, I like a couple of the Indians and stuff. But, I mean, that was – that's one of those things where um, I didn't – I didn't – I don't buy product because it's – made by you i buy good product because it works and the badland right. stuff has always worked for me and the nam stuff same thing because there's other people who make stuff that's similar product but when i go when i buy a there's a huge handlebar manufacturer that sells um pre-made wiring kits with their handlebars and those kits that i don't know who makes them i don't know where they get them from but they're not always complete you know the wires are off a different color instead of getting blue i'll get a i'll get a blue-ish wire you know what i mean so consistency is is exactly is exactly well i i can tell you that and it's funny that you bring that up there there's um the biggest handlebar manufacturers in the world uh all over the world get their handlebar extensions from us we make them for just about everybody there's a couple that we don't uh but literally you can go through the drag catalog and every handlebar in there that comes with a kit except for their own branded stuff comes from us that would make i mean that would be the way to do it right if you're if you're a handlebar manufacturer and you want uh you want something that does that job you go to somebody who who does who does that job better better than you already do since you're a handlebar producer you're better off to to do it that way you know what right I mean? and and you know we're fortunate that you know drag specialties and i have a, a tremendous relationship uh, that dates back a very long time, and exactly, um, they they literally refer people to us. Um, so when Drag gets behind a brand to say, "Hey, let's start making this product together," they say, "Call Jeff, and and you get your extensions." So, you know, I forget where the the calendar is. We we have somewhere where we've we've done over a million handlebar extensions. And I wouldn't be surprised if we're we're probably over half another million. Um, that is since two thousand and six. That's a that's a lot of handlebars. That's a lot of handlebars. So yep. you st- I, the the story of how you started Nams, obviously you you know that that makes all the sense in the world. Again, so how do you how do you end up? Um, is it a the the synergy between Nams and Badlands? Where does that where does that start? Is that an organic relationship that started out of a necessity, or was it kind of a helping each other out kind of thing to develop product? Um, actually, I, I when I, I was in the wireless phone industry, so when I started Nams, I was still in wireless, and I would travel to Sparks, Nevada. So I went to Badlands and introduced myself, and we kind of became friends over the years. And I told them about my business, and they tried to help me out. Mm-hmm. And I tried to help them out. And, you know, my background is electrical. 
My dad's an electrician. My brother's uh, one's an electrical engineer. The other one's an electrician as well. They were both electricians. I was always into electronics. So it do, it was suiting for me to be in wireless, to start NAMS, to do wiring the whole nine yards because I understand it. I'm not an engineer, but I'm probably pretty close. Right. Um, so I started hitting it off with those guys. And when they real, you know, they saw me at the trade shows and all that, they asked me, can we build the harnessing for them? Okay. So we actually started building wiring harnesses for Badlands probably in 2006. Okay. Uh, when I bought my first harnessing machine and, um, we were producing 2007, maybe we were producing all the pigtails that are in their modules, you know, all the plug and play stuff. Gotcha. So we would build them, ship them to the manufacturer in California, which was in Auburn grass Valley, only an hour away from Reno, um, or sparks or whatever. Same, and same then, area. Yeah, they they would do the final assembly there, and then they would ship it over to to Badlands for sale. So there was a lot of logistics involved, and it didn't make sense to me, but I was thankful for the business and the opportunity. And then that's um, one of those bro things that you were talking about. They knew they exactly. were going to get. They knew where they were going to get consistency. It goes back to the to that word. I mean, that's going to stick with me now throughout this. That you know, I mean that that makes sense. I mean, you're talking about. Electrical stuff is all numbers and, and, you know, and voltage and ones and zeros in your programming and things like that. So that's consistency is absolutely key. So it may, it really does make sense. You geographically, maybe not, but right. in the long term. Well, ge geographically, it was definitely a challenge. And uh, what that did, though, is it opened up our credibility. Our credibility went from, hey, there's this guy who's trying to get into, you know, break into the motorcycle industry. Then I, I kind of met um, Mike Merritt who is now with drag specialties, who is a very close friend, uh, who I owe a lot to as well. He was instrumental in helping us, uh, build stuff for Dakota digital. And then he, um, he had, you know, subsequently left and went to drag. And I think I helped garnish that relationship because I introduced him to Tom. We did a ride together at Tom Motzko at drag right, yeah. and, and so, so on and so forth. Now Mike's there doing extremely well, very successful regional, uh, manager, um, he's in charge of a whole territory. He does a phenomenal job, but he, he referred everybody to NAMS for the electrical stuff. Cause if you think about it before us, there was no electrical connectors in the Harley catalog, you know, in, in the drag catalogs, there was no Harley connectors at all. No, I was really surprised. I, you know, because I, w I went and looked to see like, okay, I, I didn't realize, I guess it's just an ignorant thing. Um, I like to build all my own wiring harnesses when I wire a bike. And, and to be fair, I usually wire a bike with less electrical equipment than, you know, the least amount of electrical equipment that I can, that I can get away with. Um, yeah. th but I was looking, I'm like, damn, you sell just about every single connector on a late model Harley from in the 90, early 90s, mid 90s, all the way to the CAN bus stuff. I mean, the current stuff. Actually, I'm going to correct you. I'm pretty sure that we sell every single connector from 1971 to today. Really? Yep. I'd have to, you know, you know what's funny is, do you remember the little bus bars that are in the... Uh, OEM mate and lock connectors? Okay, that's what they're called. I just call it a bus bar because I don't I don't know any better, you know? I'm, I'm my little... The bridge. I'm, I'm playing with my little, uh, my little terminal yep. tool here that has the little spring-loaded thing in it. And, you know, I, I generally will will deviate away from, from, from that stuff as much as I can, just from the simple fact that 
it, you mean it's, one of it's these? hard to find that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That thing there that looks like a little a little piece of metal with two holes in it. Um, yes, the worst. Yeah, so, well, I mean, it got the job done, right? So um, let me ask you this. When you guys sit down, what kind of a team do you have to decide what kind of needs are in, in the industry? I mean, obviously, I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel the 14 and up dressers on the Harleys, the CAN bus systems are way better, way more robust. They seem to not break down as much. The only problem that I see is the control units that are in the handlebar connections. Uh, where do you guys where do you guys go from there? You mean as far as developing new products? Yeah, so you developed a fantastic new product that I can't wait to to try one out on. The, the you're talking about the CAN bus that um, Marty was kind of going into detail with me as well that, before the before you and I had a conversation about it. Where you're talking about the one that bypasses the alarm and it it saves you money instead of having to go back to the dealer. But uh, the ATSO four. Yeah. So um, where do you where do you guys of, do you guys have like a brain trust or does somebody just kind of come in and you know like Marty don't touch the amplifiers you know and and yeah. got this idea. You know it, it's I I gotta I gotta thank our customer base because without them we a we wouldn't be here um, including our dealers which are very important as well but our customer base is very loyal to us. Uh, and when I say that, I mean retail, dealer, wholesale. Uh, but also, they're the ones that give me a lot of ideas. When I go to the trade shows, they tell me an idea, and they're like, well, you, you know, you're probably too busy to... I call them back. I get their information. I, I ask them to help me engineer it. I say, will you test it if we do it? Uh, so a lot of ideas come from our customers. Okay. And as far as anything else... As soon as a new model comes out, the first thing I do is call the Harley dealer and I order a new service manual. Um, I have every service manual probably from the inception of the early 80s all the way to today um, to double check schematics and all that kind of stuff. OEM part numbers. If you go to our website, you type a Harley part number, it'll come up with our version of it. Okay. Um, so we do all that cross-referencing in the back end of our website, which is very important. Um, every part that we sell that Harley sells has an OEM reference. So we're all about that. Um, but then we just look at things. We're like, okay, taller handlebars, you need handlebar extensions. So we do the measurements. Um, we, we have oscilloscopes. We have tons of machinery here, um, to verify. Like when we first did the first extension with throttle by wire, I was nervous because the twist grip assembly only operates on five volts. And I was worried about, okay, well, what kind of resistance would you get by putting a terminal-to-terminal -terminal connection in addition to an already terminal-to-terminal -terminal connection? You know, it's right. just like coaxial cable. If you put a splitter, you lose 3 dB. So every splitter, you're losing 3 more dB. So it's similar to electronics where, okay, you're building up more resistance. Is it going to affect it? So we ran it through an oscilloscope. Let's see what really happens when we do it this way. And we tested everything. We got blessings from electrical engineers because uh, I am not an electrical engineer. But right. I, I, I probably know enough, but I, I, I just won't do it. I, I don't take anybody's life at risk. I double check and triple check everything I do. That was the so, big scare technique that was – and, I, I you know, I, I guess I, I get a little – maybe that's a little overreaching to say that, but I can remember when – the uh, 08s came out with a throttle by wire. Yep. And there was a certain individual that was our, our rep from a certain company that was like, I wouldn't sell 
they were they were besmirching the Thundermax, saying that the that the the technology that I think is an alpha is it Alpha N that it works on the the twist grip or is it strict volt strictly voltage? But I don't know. I I think it's strictly voltage. It go it's it's two Hall effect sensors that are. 180 degrees from one another. But one they're goes redundant, zero to five, they? the other one goes five to zero. And aren't they redundant in that twist grip, though? That's why there's two sets of controls. So really, yeah. there's a fail-safe built into that mechanism from Harley. And so, you know, and they were like, well, don't use that anymore. You should only be using a DinoJet Power Commander because you're not inter- you're not changing the twist grip. And don't put any bars on them and don't extend it. And, don't- and I'll be honest with you, until two weeks ago, I would buy the CVO twist grip because it had the longer lead on it. But I've, I've talked with Corey and Corey Souza, and he told me, no, he goes, you know, if you cut it and solder it and do it right, it's not going to be a problem. And so I did that. And I took the little green plug out so that I could go up those freaking bars that go up to a point and then go back down the other way, you know? So it's a, it, there is a learning process and, you know, and that's one of those things where, you know, we have to rely at the shop level. We're relying on what you guys put out there. You yep. know, and, and what well, other we, we still tell people we still tell people because, again, we're dealing with the end users. Right. We're not. We're, you know, we get calls from dealerships. Harley dealerships are probably the, they call us the most, believe it or not. Um, but they'll call us for advice or technical help or whatever. We always tell them don't solder. And the reason why we do is because if you're not good at soldering, you could put your life at risk. Um if you build up enough resistance and blob that solder on there or it shorts out, you can go into limp mode. Um, there's all kinds of things that can happen, and it's not worth it, especially when you're talking to a guy who doesn't want to go down to his local bike shop and support them and say, can you work on my bike as a professional because you saw it on YouTube and you can do it yourself. But if right. you don't have the aptitude to really do it yourself well, why would you put your life at risk? Why? You don't you don't take your brand new Chevy and say, I'm gonna pull the tranny out real quick and fix that, you know, blah, 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 blah. No, no you don't do that. That's a good analogy. I, I cannot stress enough, you know, um my friends and I at the at the you know, what I would consider the counter level of what we do, it's so critical to have relationships with people like yourself, uh, with with your drag rep, with your Tucker rep, with you know, other shops that have experiences that maybe are similar to yours with different outcomes. Mm-hmm. It's critical to, you had said it earlier on that, you know, about the relationship piece of it, you know, the bros and, and whether it's a, who, whoever it is, but that type of relationship where you can draw from someone else's pool of information, it makes all of us stronger as, as a cohesive unit. And it makes our industry look less, um, you know, we get accused of, unfortunately, because motorcycles are not a necessity for the general public. I think we get looked down upon unfavorably by people who do buy brand new Chevrolets and would only take their brand new Chevrolet to a dealer. I get that. I'm not besmirching a Harley dealer either. I'm just saying, look, I've worked hard to earn the level of craft that I have the ability to produce you know, X number of hours of work and that. And it's like the old shirt that says, or the sign that says, you're not paying me for my time. You're paying me for the time it took to get to here for the experience. You know, there is something, right. there's something to be said for that. And the, the more exchange there is of information, good information. And, and, you know, when things don't work too, you know, that's, that's critical. Yeah. I mean, 
you you'd be surprised the amount of phone calls we get from retail public that bought our module at a discount somewhere that you know we need to try to find because we do have a map policy so right. they bought it on amazon or ebay or they Thank bought you for it that, used by the to way. save some money and they're trying to install it themselves and i i had a guy call me today because uh, i i've been helping out because we've been short staffed due to the covid19 and this is the second time he called me still struggling to get something to work and I'm letting him know. I was like, listen, I said, his name was Mark. And I'm like, Mark, I'm not trying to be rude, but I am letting you know that you're infringing on an area that requires me to teach you how to fix your own motorcycle over the phone and not support the part that you bought from somebody else. Right. That's ours. He bought a module from somebody else on eBay and is calling me to install it which is fine but i've he's installed it correctly and to be honest would, with you it, it really isn't it's not a good use of, well, of anyone's time it's not a good use of mark's time to be honest with it, you and i try it, to it, try to drive that the point difference home. is when you buy online you don't get the support but you save money but here's the problem i'm paying for that phone call you know i that's i have point. two people that's all they do is they answer the phone and they they provide technical support and sales the difference is this guy wanted me to teach him why the rest of his bike wasn't working properly. I said, my job is not to support you. He goes, he actually cut me off and said, you know, I, I don't agree with you. I'm a diesel mechanic by trade, so I wasn't born yesterday. I said, by no means did that ever come out of my mouth, Mark, but you're a diesel mechanic, not a motorcycle mechanic. Mm -hmm. And I am not a motorcycle mechanic to help you fix your bike over the phone my product is working. We verified that. I can't tell you why all this other stuff's not working. That's not my job. Well, not only that, and but I how said, much does Mark make an hour? I, I, I don't I don't get into that. You no, know, but you get was, my point where I'm going with that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, and, and I guess I I'm a like, little mean about that. When I got off the phone, I, I told the I told Marty about the conversation, and I said, you know, it's it's pretty unbelievable how customers think that it's your job to help them fix their motorcycle over the phone. I felt like saying, hey, I have a 2015 Denali diesel pickup with the ninth, it's called the ninth injector problem where it idles high and it's it's pissing urea somewhere under the hood. Can you fix that over the phone for me? And I'll, I'll, ha I'll help you with your wiring harness problem while you're in Utah over the phone. That would be I mean, a more fair exchange, <laughs> to be honest yeah, with you. I'm not trying to be. It, I'm trying know, to use humor to. Do to you draw call that. the car dealership and talk to the, the 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 foreman and say, "Can you help me fix my car over the over the phone because I'm too cheap to bring it in to get serviced?" No, I do not do that. I don't do that I mean, to anybody. I don't do that. I don't call a lawyer looking for free legal advice. I don't call. I don't do any of that. You know, I might do some fact finding so I can have an intelligent conversation to know whether or not somebody's being honest with me. But, uh, you know, that is a um, – we've made a huge investment in the last year. And, you know, part of that includes carrying your product in, in, in store. Part of that includes adding some more product from different manufacturers, chemical companies, things like that, so that when people come in, we have more of a selection of what they want. And, and I try to tell people Amazon is not a bike shop, you know. And uh, I had a guy tell me that I come in a little too hot and that, you know, and I said, look – the guy, this is a perfect example because I, I ended up having to use some of your product to try to fix the situation. The gentleman bought a set of bars online from eBay 
didn't buy the extensions that went through the bars were not um, were not produced. They were made they were made the kind of ad hoc, right? So they took the stock ones and extended them. They didn't buy a set of Nams extensions so that it it fit right, worked right, didn't short out all those things, all the above. The guy comes in, wants the bars done. He bought the wrong bars. I had to change the risers. I had to do this. I had to do that. And then he, you know, and I'm trying to explain to him, look, if you come here, it's on me. If I make the mistake, it's on me. But you're costing me time when I have to redo a job. You know, and like you said, you have two people that they're full time to answer tech questions and do sales. And that's what they should be doing, you know, yep. not fixing other other problems. We, we do it all the time. And it's, it's really sad. I mean, you know, the last month, um, I've been doing a lot of tech calls and it, you know, I, I've gotten many, many compliments, but I'm sure I pissed off quite a few people too. Uh, maybe not quite a few, but because they don't want to hear the truth. And I'm like, Hey, listen, you know, I don't call your place of work and try to help have you help me fix something that has nothing to do with you. That's not fair. No, it's not. Like you're not giving me the correct valuable, tool. Just like your time is valuable. Right. You know, and unfortunately we have to, we have to stick up for one another with that, but and we do. Um, it ha it happens more often than not that people don't want to go spend the money. You right. know? One of the things that I've noticed oh, I've always noticed from you, and it's funny now that now that you and I have become friends over since last summer, since Sturgis, when we actually were at the FXR show and we I was able to put two and two together and figure out who you were, I'd realized I'd been in the same room with you several times prior to that, is that you make it make a valiant effort to be in a lot of places with your brands. Um, you're very supportive of events. You're very, you know, you're very involved. I mean, to run into yep. you at, you know, at the FXR show and then see you, you know, you're a hamster. So thank you for that. Cause mm -hmm. you give, you guys give back incredible amounts of money to, to you know, to, to noble causes, especially the, you give to a, a children's hospital in Sturgis that you guys basically, if I'm, if I'm not wrong, you guys have basically built that hospital for all intents and purposes. Have you not? Yeah, I believe that over the, the course of 40 years, like 3 million yeah, and yeah. you you guys are very uh, benevolent in in that regard, and you make a very very strong effort to be out and about. And so, obviously, we've been faced with some challenges this year. And uh, Sturgis, we're all kind of keeping our fingers crossed, hoping that we're going to get to go to Sturgis. And are you going to be able to have you know? Um, are you going to be able to participate in that? And participate? Has this put you in a position where you're not able to participate in things? throughout the year and is, how do you think it's going to change what we do? I don't, I don't want to lament or look at bad things, but I, you know, we have trade shows that we want to go to in, in January and in February. And then there's, you know, there's Daytona and stuff. Are you going to be able to, how do you think this is going to play out? You know, it's, it's a tough call. And I, I talked to several of my, my friends, uh, you know, industry friends as well about it. And Sturgis is still uh, up in the air until June. So right. we're not really going to know until next month. Uh, I know that uh, the Drag Specialties V-Twin Expo that they have, you know, the NVP in August has been canceled. Really? Um, okay. I was not aware of that. They canceled that last month, if not the month before. And I think they did that basically because – it was last month because it was April. Um, they canceled that because they wanted to give the dealers more selling time because they lost it this year. They lost some time. Okay. We had a good weather year. Uh, finally, after the last two rainy springs, we have a good spring, and unfortunately, a lot of shops are closed. But drag is definitely picking up. I talked to some people today. Sales are going through the roof uh, for a lot of guys right now that that are in like manufacturing, like myself. Okay. So 
Uh, I can tell you this, um, not to get off topic, but our sales last year, last year was our best year ever. Um, even being closed for a week, not having a full staff still to today, we were basically closed for two weeks after being completely closed for a week. So three weeks, we're still slightly ahead of last year's sales. Good. That so, makes me happy. That means sales are good for the most part for most people because if you think about it, if you're furloughed from your job, you're home riding. Yeah. <laughs> so it gives you a renewed interest to start riding again. Yeah, we've seen uh, it. If you, if you weren't, right? right? And you're probably busier too. I'll be honest with you. I don't want to brag. Um, you know, we, we moved in. I don't know how much you actually know the backstory of this. You and I talked about me losing my dad and stuff. Um, it'll be two years this August, but... My daughter's now working here, and she, I, she's fantastic. She has an innate ability to understand finance and business, and she's going to college for that. So I've actually been able to pull back. Like you had mentioned earlier, <clears throat> I don't remember how you articulated it, but it was basically hit the cruise control, step back, and then start looking at things that maybe didn't get the attention that they needed or required. Right. And uh, so I'm able to work on those little parse those little things out and try to get those things kind of bring them in give me some opportunity to teach her like hey look you know there's been lots of teachable moments you know i used to teach high school and we're always looking as a teacher we're looking for teachable moments things that happen when you go hey you got a minute let me show you what happened you know this is these are the options you're going to have <clears throat> but we we've, we've been up incredibly uh not to brag like you said earlier but um, our, we got a notification from our drag rep that they were up 291% just with our drag sales this year. That's now, great. When we put a lot of effort into, like I told you earlier, having your product on the wall, having bars on the wall now, um, we're building, um, I don't know if Marty shared with you or not, but we're building a uh, wired and lighted uh, installation center in the showroom so that we can turn the cameras on, turn the lights on, and do an install. We're going to install bars, install audio, install exhaust, things that are clean that can be done in the showroom. Try to build some enthusiasm with the customers so they can kind yeah. of see that happen. You know, we'll have them stand behind the ropes, but kind of engage them a little bit. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. not going to be, I'm going to be honest with you and tell you that it wasn't my idea. I stole it from JP Cycles when I was out there with Karen. You know, we were out there at the Daytona sh shop and they have an install area that's that's roped off. I thought that's fantastic. I mean, you yeah. can actually see what's going on and they'll pull your bike in and put bars on and that kind of stuff. So we're happy and, you know, we're healthy and we're we're making things happen. We're going to go to Sturgis. Um, you know, our plans are, are pretty ironclad. Um, I, I'm you know, I go there because I get that that's the, the opportunity that I get to be in a room with you and uh, Corey and Paul from Bare Knuckle Choppers and Jeff G. Holt and, and stuff. And, and I, I want to touch on that, too. Um you know, he's had to move some of his dates. We've moved the date of our show till December. Um, you know, we have a, a pretty innate ability to adapt and overcome in this industry. And you yep. are one of the exclusive sponsors of the V-Twin Visionary, um, the, the the tour, at least. The, are you doing the entire tour? Or are you doing the Eastern yep. leg? Or uh, So how does that, you know, we talked about the print media going away. Jeff has a pretty large di digital footprint, and he's doing a very good job. Of, uh, of of posting regularly and and kind of keeping people in the know, I, I kind of feel like he's the arbiter of of information right now. I agree, and uh, I've known Jeff for a long time. Uh, we we 
advertised with both uh, the bagger version of Hot Bike and the regular Hot Bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to the day when Dave Withrow was there, um, uh, along with Howard, who's a, a local friend of mine who's living out there as well. So Howard, Howard Kelly. Kelly. I love um, Howard. Howard's a good dude. Yeah, he's actually from like right around the corner from here. I didn't know that. I thought he was always yeah, a West was, Coast dude. Now born and raised uh, right around that's the so corner. So funny. Um, good dude. Um, and Jeff is doing such a great job, and I noticed it. And that's when I reached out and said, "Hey, we'd like to be an exclusive sponsor. So we're the official lighting sponsor. Um, cool. We also have the Badlands as well as the the Nam stuff." Um, so we're, we're always going to be at every event. Obviously, a lot of them have been canceled so far in the beginning of the year. We were at Daytona. Uh, Myrtle got canceled. Uh, we're still waiting to figure out Laconia. Um, and there was a couple other ones, but they're all getting changed around. Your event got changed to December. We're going to be there. Cool. Um, but one of the cool things is, along with a, a still attending all that, we're going to be in Sturgis. We're going to be set up at JMP with two employees. We're also going to be set up at the Indian dealership. Uh, in Sturgis with all of our Indian product on display. Uh, not to mention, um, there's a very good chance, as of as of what I found out today, that I'm going to have a house in Bradenton, Florida. Um, really? So I'll be living close by you, not full time, but um, my wife and I, we, we had a beach house in New Jersey. We sold it, and we, for a lot less money and a lot more house found something and i will actually be in bradington uh this thursday night really yeah um <laughs> so it's, it's a pretty good chance that by your show i'll already be down there probably for the winter working from there and marty will be there as well well here it's funny you say that because this is what i was going to tell you i didn't know how to figure this out logistically but i was saying you know you need to get one of your bikes down here mm-hmm and you could have it at the shop, and then when when the show goes on, you and I can go go riding. But if you're already gonna be down here, you're, I, you oh. you know you can keep one of your bikes over here. If you want to keep it here over here, I'm only like an hour from there, forty five minutes. That's that's gonna be. Yeah. yeah, we have the we have a, a a pretty good opportunity of getting in trouble. Nice, very nice. Yeah, that's very Florida looking. <laughs> yeah, well, good yeah. for you, so, man. Yeah, it would be fun to hang out with you, and and being that your show is not far from there, so I'll be. Uh, my house would be actually 4.5 miles away from Dave Withrow's house. That's a good um, thing. I haven't talked to him in forever. He's somebody I definitely want to get on the podcast. I, I need to reach out to him because he's he's got some good stories to tell. Oh, God, yeah. He's a great storyteller, too. He uh, the, the airport is apparently like 14 miles away, the Sarasota-Bradenton Airport. Yep. And they're going to be near Corey Sousa the whole nine yards. So this is really the coming out party for – more than likely, I'll have a house there. From what it looks like, our so. condo is only a couple miles from there. We're right on. We're right on the. What do they call that beachfront avenue or whatever? Right on, right there on the on the Gulf. We've got a condo oh, over okay. there, so I'll have to come down there for the weekend and haunt you. I'll, I'll be there. We'll I'll take be there the wives Thursday to uh, down, the Columbia down at St. Armand Circle. Be there Thursday night at nine p.m. and I'm staying till Sunday. Right on. Well, good. So, Who are you staying with when you're down here? Are you just coming down and staying at a hotel? Okay, very good. Yeah, you'll have to put in a good word for me that I want to have him on the podcast. But he's close sure. enough. I'm going to make him drive his ass over here so we can do it in the studio. Sure. Or if we're down there together, we can all hang out and, and hang out together. That would be fantastic. So if you guys, you know, if you guys are down here, whatever, just give me a call anytime. I sure. he's a great dude. I stayed at his house up in Rapid. It was in Rapid City, wasn't it? 
No, uh, Spearfish. Spearfish, that's right. So, yeah, not Rapid City. I don't know what I was thinking. It was the other way. I got I got stranded. Cody left me in, uh, in, in Sturgis in 16. I mean, it was a plan. Uh, Cody, Sturg- or Corey and I were supposed to ride back together, and Corey's like, yeah, I'm leaving Friday. So I get dropped off Friday at the Allstate booth. I'm kind of like trying not to bother Courtney the rest of the afternoon. I'm sitting there on my suitcase like a vagabond, end up having to go to dinner. And then he's like, well, we're going to stay at Dave's. So I stay at one of the rooms at Dave's house. And then the next morning we get up and, you know, Corey is. Corey's yeah. just kind of, he's got a speed. It's medium. <laughs> yeah. Medium to not moving at all. Yeah. He's a great dude, but he he's, he's kind of funny. He, he's very unflappable. If it yeah. would be the, the word I would use to describe him. So agreed. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. So I used to stay at Dave's house every, every year I went out there. Um, but then it, it got to too many people. So then I went up staying at Matt's house. So I, it was just easier. Right. Uh, and then I got married and re, you know, remarried and, uh, my wife and I would stay at Matt and Colleen's house. So, right on. Uh, things change, but yeah, we're still going to Sturgis. Uh, we're looking forward to your show in December. We're looking forward to Jeff's shows. Um, definitely looking forward. Like I think the one um, if it's like Rocky Mountain or whatever it's going to be. Yeah, the Smoky Mountain. Like October. The yeah, Smoky Mountain. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to riding if if the weather's not too bad. Yeah, we were I'll there. Ride from here. We were there last year for the TMMR because I'm kind of you know I have my toes in the water in a couple different places. Um, my you know Jeff and I are you know Jeff and I are very good friends and. Um, he's somebody that, uh, that, that I, I hold in high regard and not just because of, of, you know, the, the digital footprint that he has, but he and I are friends away from that as well. And so, um, when, once he started doing these things, we, that's why we hired him to do the, the wheels of steel. You know, I think he's a good, I think he's a good show ambassador. I think he's definitely the, like I said, the arbiter of, of our day of, of what's going to change. And man, you know, I mean. A lot of people have put a lot of trust in him, me included, you included, and yep. I, it, it behooves both of us to see him be a massive success. So yeah, I mean, they're you know, and it's without making it sound you know derogatory towards him. There's nobody else. No, there isn't anybody else. I mean, I'm trying with this with this uh, this medium. Uh, there's a couple other things I, I I got. You know, there's a lot of content creators right now, but there's a lot of places to to find content. And uh, right. his content is consistent, if you will, and uh, you know you know what you're gonna you know what you get with him. So I appreciate. Yeah, it. And he I has the history, it. and that you know that's some of the things that I'm learning with the new technology is the similar kind of thing. Like now, uh, the next step on our website, very similarly, is going to be taking a, a 360 view video of every lighting product. We have a, a turntable and. It's programmable, and we'll have every product on that turntable, so you can get a 360 view of our product. Then we're working on installation videos. JMP is another one of our distributors. Um, they stepped up big time and took on all of our lines for all three companies, uh, and are doing tremendously well right now. Which is I'm blown away with the numbers that they're doing, um, which is really really good. So they want to do videos as well. So we got a lot of plans in the works. Granted, they were just bought out by Revzilla who is 15 minutes from me. Um, so there's going to probably be a lot more collaboration as, as time goes on. What a that. wild ride that executive team at JP Cycles has had in the last eight years since John passed. Yeah. You know, 
for sure. I mean, you know, I mean, it's good. I'm glad. I hope I hope that most of the people have stayed on because it definitely has that same feel when you go over there. You yeah, I, I, I think they're great people. I get along with them really, really well. Um, they have a couple buyers in Texas that I, I wish they would keep on. And I think they have agreements to, until the end of the year. But I hope Revzilla does something to, to keep those guys on. They're super sharp. Um, and I've even mentioned to Zach. I know Zach's looking at houses up he, near me. Yeah, uh, I'm fortunate to have a, a really good school district that my daughter's in. So um, I think next time he starts traveling back up here, he's supposed to be meeting me for dinner. So we'll, we'll get to spend some time together. Um, which will be good, but yeah, I, I think I think the rest of the year is going to be a question mark. But I'll tell you what, you wouldn't you couldn't tell by sales right now because a lot of people are doing really well, but there are a lot of companies that are down double digits significantly. Yeah. I, I know for a fact there's lots of companies that are down twenty, thirty percent. Well, um, we're not one of those people, and I know a lot that are on the opposite end as well. So sure. Well, I think I, a lot you know, of it has to do with you know what. What kind, what kind of, of time you invest in your company, how vested you are to begin with, your product offering. You know, guys aren't buying $3,000 wheels right now. No. You know, they're not buying a, a $5,000 complete front and rear air ride system, but they are putting a new set of bars, a new set of turn signals, and a cool seat. They yeah. are doing that, and but I don't think that they're. Here's the thing. I, I like to. T this is my favorite phrase that I've that I've coined. Is I, we are part of the smallest billion dollar industry I can think of. You know, it, it, there isn't any company that I don't either know somebody who works there or somebody that can get me the number of the CEO. I mean, that's a very fortunate tool that you and I have at our disposal. So when we have an idea yeah. and we want to be creative, we we have somewhere we have an outlet for that. And I, I think that you know it takes pressure to make diamonds and in this, you know, this little, whatever this is that we're going through, I really look forward to seeing what kind of ingenuitive things come on the other side of it. What's what, yeah. what, you know, we've got another 18 months of, of, I don't know, you know, what do they call the new norm? But I think that we're going to come up with some pretty creative things. And, you know, like I try to tell people, I think your daughters are in the same age group as, as my daughters that, we haven't even seen what our kids can come up with yet, really. You know, we know what we're capable of as adults. We know what we were handed off, you know, 20 years ago by our parents. But as our kids grow up, you know, my youngest just turned 21 last Saturday. I think your daughter's a little younger than that. but Yeah, she'll be 17 in two weeks. So but she's... That, that's nearing adult age. They're in the same yeah. age group, and they were five years apart, right? So, um, Or four years apart, actually. So that's the same age group. I can't wait to see what they bring to the table. You know, whether it be motorcycle related or not, I'm fortunate that my daughter is now a third generation in this business and she truly loves what we do and, and she's really good at it and she asks substantive questions and that's how I judge whether somebody's interested or not is the kind of questions they come they come at you with. Right. Right. And so I'm looking forward to to what we have over the next you know, the next few years where you can go down to Bradenton every summer or every winter rather and extend that a little bit and I can go over to the UK and sit in a pub with my best friend Mike over there and, you know, and go to Sturgis every year and kind of have our class reunion, if, if you will. I'm, I'm all about it because this has been, uh, being an entrepreneur takes a lot out of you. Um, uh, very, you, you get wise really quickly, but you, you start to run out of energy. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's a lot of work. It is. And, we, I, and you know, it, it, the funniest thing I meant to tell you, there, 
believe it or not, when I started this company, uh, you know, like I told you that many years ago, up until I hired Marty or, or Steve and Marty, Steve's been a, a little over a year. Marty's been about a half a year. But before those two, there was not one motorcycle person that worked in this company besides myself. That's a credit to your business. I mean, you, I you, guess you know. it is, or it's a credit to my insanity because every idea, every product had to be R and D tested, thought of by built, you the schematic, you know, everything by me. Well, you know, um, it, heavy is the head that wears a crown buddy. Oh. <laughs> and with yeah, that, that's part of it. That's a, that's a good place. A good jumping off part, man. Look, first off from, from, Honestly, I, it's it's been a pleasure knowing you and knowing and finding out last year that I kind of already knew you and that that who you know the company that you had in that I appreciate your product that I've have allowed me to do my job for the last eighteen nineteen years. Uh, thank, thank you for you being man. one of my sponsors on my podcast. That means a ton to me, and uh, I look forward to uh, to to many more meetings and face to face and dinners and drinks and whatever. So absolutely, man. I'll, uh, I'll let, definitely let you know. And, uh, if I get some time this weekend, I'll hit you up when I'm down there. Absolutely, man. Anytime. I'm, I'm always, I'm always just bopping around. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to talk to you, brother. I appreciate your time and, and your support for all of our businesses. And, uh, we look forward to keep serving uh, you and everybody else. Cool, man. Hey, so that's where I'll end it right there. And just, dude, honestly, thank you very much. I really appreciate it, dude. It's been fun. We did an hour and a half. It was good time. Time to go <laughs> home. And, and uh, I'm on a diet, so I only have one meal a day, and it's dinner. So I, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit. Okay, well, cool. Have a good night, buddy. See you, brother. Have a great one. All right, take Thanks, care. Thanks, Jason. Bye. Listening to the Hell on Wheels podcast with your host, Jason Holman. Thank you for listening. <laughs>